This is the Patriots Catch 22 podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined as always by Alex Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. Evan texts me and goes, in so many words, he's worried. He's worried about the offense. Worried. Literally since the snap after that text. Yep, it's all because of me. They have been locked ever since you sent that text. You fixed the offense with that text. You're giving me credit? We might have to give well, just keep, I did it. You, Thank well, you. But then not, the next not Bill day, O'Brien. It was me. But then the next day, they got off to a little bit of a slow start. You texted me again, and then Mac Jones had his best practice he's had since the Giants practice his rookie year. Yeah. So just keep sending the texts. Okay. That's what all it right. comes down to. This whole season comes down to, will Evan keep sending those texts? I guess that was why the last couple days haven't been as good because I didn't send you the text yeah, you about how the me. offense was, was not doing well. Jerk. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I will I will say that, I, you know, I say that and I don't want people, oh, my God, the offense is doing uh, – they've, they've been t- fine. I don't want a panic button here, everybody. But I, I, I do have a take about the offense that, that I think is uh, my, my big take, you know, my opening monologue take of the show. We'll get to that here in a second. But it's Alex Barth, Evan Lazar with you. Patriots catch 22 next hour and 30 or so hour, hour 30. We'll see how long we go, uh, but you can uh, jump on the phone lines. Already people jumping on the nice. phone lines, Alex, eight, five, five. I am totally fine with this being a call heavy show. Eight, five, five Pats, 500 web radio at Patriots.com is the email address. If you want to jump in on the emails, we'll read some of those as well. But here, here's my opening take of where things stand currently at this hour, 12 practices into the Patriots training camp. And, Believe it or not, uh, just over 24 hours away from the first preseason game, and I, I was thinking as I was walking down here uh, to our radio studio that you know there's a lot going on in the tunnels right now and things around Gillette Stadium. It's alive here, getting ready for tomorrow, and it dawned on me playing football tomorrow. Like this is we we just really uh, cruised right through the first 12 practices, basically two weeks of practice here at Gillette, and. Uh, Along with my other big take away from the last week or so, it was you know been about a week since we've been on the air on this program. This is where the men, the the men separate themselves from the boys. All right, so at this point, and Alex, you can speak to this as well. This has all been set in the table, in my opinion. And some of my takes my today that I'm going to go, you know, I wrote something on Patriots.com, seven takeaways from the last three days of practice. That's some of the things I'm going to go off of here to just kind of pilot this show here, uh, facilitate, as as you would say. And uh, But the big yeah. thing is this is where the men separate themselves from the boys. The first 12 practices to me are all setting the table for – the two weeks of joint practices and the three preseason games as excited as I am about some of the play of the younger guys as some of the rookies. And we'll get to that uh, here in a little bit. I don't think that any of it has really gotten to the point with any of these guys where I feel like besides maybe Christian Gonzalez, uh, that this, this guy has superstar stud potential. Yeah. This is all about setting yourself up for, a roster push, maybe a role push for certain guys when it really gets real, which is what's right. going to happen over the next two weeks. So that that's number one. Point number two, 12 practices into training camp. I, I know your station, Alex, loves to talk about the quarterbacks. We like talking about the quarterbacks too. We'll talk about the quarterbacks, and that's certainly a major storyline. But at this hour, 12 practices in, the biggest storyline surrounding the Patriots right now is the offensive line, and I don't think it's particularly close. 
Quarterback, I think they're going to be okay there. Are they going to be great? Maybe not. They'll be good enough. They'll be good enough. Receiver, from what we've seen, if you put all the receivers together, wide receivers, tight ends, even backs, I would say good enough again. We're, we're, we're at least getting C's to get degrees at this point at those two spots. Coordinator. We, we, we both know exactly what that looks like. Coordinator. A. A so far for Bill O'Brien in my book. The one, the one place where I have to say 12 practices in and that has not looked pretty on that side of the football is the offensive line. And it's, it's, it's hard to press the panic button, and I don't want to press the panic button on the line because this is better than me coming in and saying Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Mike Unwenu, and let's Connor McDermott or Riley Riley right. Reedy. Let's save both those guys. It's better than me coming in and saying those guys are getting their butts kicked in practice because that's all you got, right? That, that's your group. And if those guys can't block anybody, then you're really in trouble. So in some ways, I feel a little bit better about the fact that – this is essentially the B squad along the offensive line. In some cases, I think it's the C squad. That's being generous. Yeah. And it hasn't looked good. And I think the last three practices in particular, since Judon has been back, it has really not looked good. And I think the big thing is, is that it's gotten in the way of the consistency that we saw with the offense last week. At Wednesday and Thursday practice, the offense was really clicking. They they were moving the they were not only moving the football down the field a little bit more with each day, but they were hitting at a pretty high rate. Like we're talking about, you know, Mac going like twelve for eighteen in practices, and you know, really having a, a very few incompletions or or miscommunications or anything like that. These last couple days, we've seen some of the flashes. Mike Kosicki, one-handed catches. Devontae Parker walked it off. Was that Sunday uh, on Jack Jones on the deep ball down the left sideline? But it hasn't been consistent because they can't block anybody. I, again, my panic meter on this, am I pressing the button yet? No. I think we need to talk about some of the contingency plans, though, of how they can make this, this work and piece this together. Mainly, it's health. Health is the biggest one. We all know that. If they have their interior three, Cole Strange, Andrews, and Onwenu, healthy and out there and ready to go for week one against Philadelphia, I'm not that concerned. Because that way, if there's not interior pressure on Mac Jones, I think he'll be able to handle the edge pressure a little bit better. If it's coming from everywhere, really what, what the bigger problem is, is when you just don't know where it's going to come from. Right. You have too many weak links, and it could be coming from here. It could be coming from there. If he can rely upon the shelf, that's what, you know, the three guys up front in the interior, if he can rely on the shelf to set the depth of the pocket, then I think he can navigate it and step up in the pocket, quick release, you know, all the things that Brady used to do to, to mitigate really good edge rushers. Be they his would. own best pass protector. Correct. I, I'm not as concerned. But at the same time, it has the right tackle spot is a major, major red flag. And I understand people that also aren't 110% convinced that Trent Brown is going to be a good player, or con- I should say consistent player for them. Last year, big time peaks and valleys for Trent. He had some really good games, he had some really bad ones. They need Trent to be more steady. Whether It doesn't necessarily need to be all pro every single week, but they just need him to be steady at left tackle so where they go with this offensive line is a big one I think at this point I am more 
I'm more inclined to say that the offensive line is going to be their their downfall than quarterback or receiver talent. And you know me, I, I with DeAndre Hopkins and some of the other moves that they made this offseason, I've been all over the number one receiver thing. I've talked a ton about Mac and how if he's going to be able to elevate it, the offense and all that stuff. I, I don't know if I'm really 12 practices in as concerned about all those things as I am about the offensive line. I know the quarterbacks are sexy to talk about. The skill positions are also fun to talk about, and we will. But to me, that's the biggest storyline right now is are are they going to be able to figure this out along the offensive line? And I think we can go over, like I mentioned, a couple of different configurations, but I just wanted to get your your take on that. Yeah, no, that's that's been my take since May, really, has been if anything undoes this offense. I know people want to complain about Mac Jones, but Mac Jones is going to be good enough. It's not going to be the quarterback. It's not going to be the coaching staff. It's yeah. not even going to be the receivers. Like you said, the receivers, are they're fine. Yeah. They're fine. If anything undoes this offense, it's going to be the offensive line and specifically the tackle position. To your point, they'll get healthy in the middle. And honestly, even if they don't get healthy entirely, I trust the backups in the middle more than I trust the backups at tackle. Like, Antonio Maffi showed me something. Yeah. I, I don't know. Jason Hines has even come on a little bit. Jason Hines has come on a little bit. So, yeah. like, they have something in the middle there. Yep. Whereas I, I really don't feel comfortable about Riley Reef. Connor McDermott is limited. And after that, I mean, you're just guessing. Andrew Stuber is a guy who hasn't played football in a year. City Sow is, or City, which one was it again? So. City So is a, a totally developmental player and could be a player down the road, but he's a project. Rough camp for City So. Yeah. Pitted so in an urban city, as, as we call it on PU. Okay. It's, it's been. Uh, it's it's really kind of a mess at tackle right now, and that is going to be if if anything undoes them, it's going to be that. And I know you said we, we, I know you said we'll talk about combinations. Yeah, I still think the conversation needs to be there about Michael and Wenu. Yeah, going back out to right tackle because let, let, let's get to that in a second. I I would just say as much as I was convinced that that was the right answer coming into camp, I feel even stronger now that that's the that's the best option. So I I definitely am with you at this point. On that, I, I don't know if I was ever against you, but I, I, I'm strongly with you now. But I, I first want to talk about the guys that they are playing at tackle. I think Riley Reef has been better in pads than he was in the spring in the first couple of days of camp. So I'll, I'll give him that. But every I still maintain with him, he's he's solid in a phone booth. Like if he doesn't have to move his feet a ton and he doesn't have to get out on an island in pass protection and he can just play the game in like a two by two box, then he's going to be fine. Yeah. But you can't play tackle in a two by two no. box. That's not the position. The position that's a guard, right? Right. It's not tackle. So that's a big part of it uh, with Reef. But I do think that his power uh, and his ability to anchor and things like that have held up okay, uh, better now than I would have thought about him maybe, I don't know, eight days ago or something like that. Connor McDermott has completely fell into a rut. I, I don't know what is going on with Connor McDermott and I hate singling out individual guys and 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 being negative but he's have he must have nightmares about Josh Uche at this point. Jo- he he cannot handle Josh Uche's speed. He goes right yeah. around him every single time whether it's one-on-ones, it's team. Uh, Judon same thing right around him. Uh and then City Soap has been He's what, a project what's a, player. What's a nice word to say he's, this? He's a project C- City player. City So has has is a project player. Yeah. But let, let's leave it at that. So you're looking at those three guys, and I, I was a little bit optimistic. Uh, he has the measurables. He's, he's a good athlete. That maybe City So is going to be 
a, a Mike on Wenu, right? Like we all, I think we all thought Mafi would be that, but I'm just talking right. about in terms of, oh, maybe he has some upside. Just comes out of nowhere as a rookie yeah, and as a player. Yeah, it, it can play. I, I no longer think that. 12 practices, and I, I don't think City So is a factor in any of this. In fact, I think if City So doesn't turn it around, that he's a, a prime Fo- Foxborough flu candidate. I would also say maybe the same about Jake Andrews, who has struggled a, yeah. as well in camp. So you mentioned Moffey. And uh, they really like Cody Russi as well. Rusi, I think it's Rusi. Uh, yeah. they, they really like Cody Rusi as well. So maybe he's a player that can play at guard. And then, believe it or not, I know that he's kind of forgotten, uh, along with Andrew Stuber sometimes, who also has been up and down, by the way. But Chasen Hines, the last two practices in pads, is starting to get it a, a little bit. Better in one-on-ones, uh, better in the run game marginally but i I, i've seen a little bit of something out of him compared to to some of the other practices and he's bigger and longer than some of these other options he's he's like six three three ten he's he's a bigger tackle or bigger guard excuse me uh than somebody like mafi who's just built like a stout brick so i'm with you i think that your guard depth because you made it this way but that's ship has sailed yes your guard depth is better than your tackle depth right now. So I know they've been reluctant and they've been steadfast. Matt Grow got up there was that before the draft, right? Saying that we like Onwenu at, at guard. We're going to keep him. I at- mean, that's going back to last year. I think Bill said it. Yeah. I know they want to keep Onwenu at guard, but at this stage, when hopefully big Mike gets back out there and gets off PUP, not only does it make sense for them as a team, but you can sell it to him pretty easily. Oh, yeah. You're in a contract year, dude. You go play right tackle at a high level in a contract year. Maybe the rest of the league starts looking at you as a right tackle. All of a sudden, you're looking at a at a payday. A payday. You're talking about a couple more million dollars a year. Yeah. And I think that's an easy sell for him. Yeah. So, Mafi, Russi, Rusi, Hines, if one of those guys can show well in joint practices, put some good preseason film on tape, then maybe maybe they allow you to do that. And I would feel a lot better, you know, from left to right about Trent, Strange, Andrews, let's call it Mafi on Wenu, than I think I do right now Trent, Strange, Andrews on Wenu, McDermott, or Reef, just based off of what we've seen. But I got to see it on film, and that's the best part about the preseason games to me is the offensive line play. You, you can't review practice film, so I, it it can sometimes get lost in in the in the in the trees in there in in practice, and it's hard to kind of evaluate it live. That's why one on ones are so valuable. So I, I think that it, it it can be fixed, and if you have one weaker spot, and especially if it's a guard, that's really easily protected yeah. or schemed around for rather of a hole at guard than hole at tackle and, and it's if it's just one spot bill o'brien and, and and adrian clum will figure that out right so that's why i'm not hitting the panic button yet because this isn't their group if trent brown was a turnstile and cole strange didn't look like he was taking that next step forward and david andrews looked his his age or was starting to look older or something then i would say oh oh crap like this is their these are their guys and they can't block anybody not getting too 
crazy about like the fact that James Ferentz is not ha- holding up against Christian Barmore. It's, is it crazy to say we basically haven't learned anything yeah. about the offensive I, that, line? Because that's, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm where I was when camp started. I, I, I'm maybe a little more down because the two guys we have seen, Riley Reef and Connor McDermott, really Reef. Those are the two guys I think we've seen more than anybody, and they've yeah. struggled. But yeah, yeah, it's it's you know I think a part of the offensive line conversation was well, how does Trent Brown look? We haven't seen him a ton. Can't answer that. Right? Is Cole Strange taking that year two jump? Haven't seen him. Can't answer that. So there's some uncertainty there. But it, what we have seen, the limited amount we have seen from the guys that figure to be factors, has not been good. Yeah, uh, that's fair. All right, a couple more things, and then we'll get to the phones and the emails. I want to talk about the quarterbacks. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about the quarterbacks throughout the show in some capacity. But I know that this show, and I, I don't want to necessarily lump you in here, Alex, but we we sometimes come off a little bit as pro Mac. I, I at least myself and last year certainly uh, talking pro you know about Mac. Well, and, I, I, I'm I'm pro being right. I'm just saying what I think <laughs> is going to end up being correct. Fair, but. I feel like some people, you know, come at me about you, Mac Honk, whatever. I'm sorry, but objectively speaking, there's nothing to do with my feelings on it whatsoever. The last six practices since we've been on the air on the show, Mac has outplayed Zappy. He just simply has. And Zappy, I actually think in some ways has regressed. I don't know what's going on with him with the sidearm stuff in the in the underneath throws. I think that still. Can I tell you my theory on that? Yeah, you can. I still think throw for throw. I, I really put it differently. I still think down the field they're about equal. Like I don't think either one of them is significantly ahead of the other in terms of like playmaking or down the field throw making in terms of like dropping dimes. Yeah. I think they both can drop some dimes at the same rate, if you will, uh, down the field. The the smaller stuff like hitting the layups, the underneath throws, the timing. Uh, to the short and intermediate and accuracy really I think is even more important than the timing accuracy to the short and in, in, uh, intermediate area and how just the feel pre-snap I think all of that really has favored Jones pretty much uh, since the second week of camp as open. it should as yeah. we've expected with Zappy the big problem for me and I actually thought he had a really good start to camp me that too. practice he had whatever it was day four whatever that Sunday was that Sunday was, practice yeah. yeah he looked really good and since then the since then the issue's been the the pass deflections, and that goes back. It was an issue last year, even when he was yeah. playing well. Balls are getting knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Balls are getting knocked down at the, the catch point. I wonder if that's why he's doing more of the release point stuff to try to throw the ball around yeah. defenders. That, that was my theory as well. But that feels like an overcompensation Yeah, because if you're going to destroy your mechanics, well, then it doesn't matter because now you're seeing him miss throws, and he's, he's, overthro- he's been overthrowing a lot. And I think that's why, because he's changing his mechanics. He knows his he's got to put angles. more on the ball yeah. right. And so that, it's a little concerning to me. Because I think as as much of an issue as the past deflections were, overall he's playing fine. And it's nobody's perfect. Just kind of work your way around it and play your game. And it was true early in camp when he struggled. He had a couple practices when he was good. But it's 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 feeling like that again, that he's just he's he's trying to be more than himself. He's not letting the game come to him. He's he's pushing himself a little too much and it's it's hurting him. So I'd like to see we'll we'll get I think we'll get a good look at him on Thursday night. I'd like to see him as dumb as this sounds. Just relax. Yeah. Just go out there and throw the ball. Just go out there and play catch. Well, I think I, both quarterbacks are susceptible to relaxing 
uh, you know, to getting a little bit in their own heads. Oh, ab- absolutely. But we're not going to see Mac Thursday yeah. night. So I just want to see Bailey Zappi go out there and play catch. Just go out there, yeah. you know, in the words of Drew Bledsoe, just go out there and sling it. Yeah. Right. Have fun. Yeah. And and cause good advice for both these guys. When he did that on Sunday, like you could tell, he was loose. He was, yeah. in it, you know, he he was letting the game come to him, and it was working. And he hasn't gone back to that as much since. Yeah, he he's made some of the better downfield throws in the camp yeah. so far. You know, the one to Trey Nixon, I think, is probably still the best the best throw down the field. But the inconsistency in the first and second level throws is actually surprising to me because he's a pretty accurate guy. Like he's somebody that can control the ball. This isn't. We're not talking about somebody that that you know just can't hit the broad side of a barn. Like he usually has pretty good accuracy and control, even going back to college. But he's had. I think you're right. I think he's experimenting with some different arm angles, um, some yep. different vision sight lines, and things like that to try to see around the offensive line and get the ball around defenders. And maybe that mechanically has thrown him off a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I hope that he plays better tomorrow night, too, because right now I, I just don't think it's particularly close. And it's not about the drama between Bill and, and Mac yeah. or anything like that. Although, it's as somebody pointed out, on, uh, I forget where I saw this the other day, but Bill Belichick has also not said Bailey Zappi's name. <laughs> In addition to not saying Mac Jones' name. I got to be honest Bill with you. might just hate quarterbacks. <laughs> I got to be honest with you, and this is this is no inside information, so don't please don't like, yeah. you know syndicate this okay. or something. Uh I don't think that Bill is crazy about either of them. I don't think he's crazy about the quarterback position in general. No, I don't think it's that. I think he understands, like, you know, like we we listen to him gush about like Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, and you know, as much as everybody kind of think thinks that it's still not real for some reason, Brady, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you you hear him talk about those types of guys. That's why I don't think that this has anything to do with personality or anything like that. Any of the drama that people try to make it about, because I don't. I think he kind of looks at both of them the same, in terms of their their makeup or or their who they are, you know, as as athletes. And I I don't know. I don't think that he's like crazy about either one, to be honest. But I think that at the same time, I think that there is a, a push organizationally that. You use this first round pick on Mac Jones. You did him no favors last year. He was on the right trajectory after his first season. We can debate whether or not how how good he really right. was as a rookie, but he was certainly good enough as a rookie. They, they made the playoffs. And you have more invested in Mac Jones. You just simply do. And at the end of the day, if it's not going to be if Zappy's not going to go out there and light up practice and significantly outplay Mac Jones where you have no choice, but to make a change, it's going to be really difficult organizationally to walk away from a 15th overall pick heading into year three and right. say we're going to go with, with this kid from Western Kentucky. Yeah, like, And by the way, that's the right approach. It's way too early based off what he showed you in 2020. We've talked about this, to, to, to cut bait on him and give up when he essentially has had one real year. Last yeah. year was not a real year. Okay. Speaking of uh, way too early, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just throw some water on, on – on something that I know that some people are going to get annoyed with this and maybe even you that I'm going to do I this. I think I am if I if you're going where I think you're going. We got to chill with the rookie receivers. Oh, I thought I was close. I was close. We got to chill. We got to chill. Uh, Just it, hear me out. I don't know if we got to chill with tomorrow, Douglas. I, I, I mentioned off the top that this is where we separate the men from yeah. the boys. In my opinion, Demario Douglas especially, but also a little bit Kayshawn Booty as well. Both those guys have set the table to give themselves opportunities 
to really make a push, not only to make the roster, but maybe for in Douglas's case, I think have a role on this team this year. But in terms of talking about either one of those guys as real, whatever you wanted to call it, starter, impact player, top three receiver, whatever phrase terminology you want to use, I've seen this movie before. I've learned from past mistakes on these types of things. Until the games and the joint practices start, all of this is just appetizers. And you have to... You have to take it with a grain of salt in that respect. And the, the main thing is in the, just with Douglas, because I think Booty's still – he's he's popped a little bit. Yeah. Nope. You know, jokes yeah, aside. Yeah, yeah. He's popped, but it, it hasn't been quite as consistent as Demario Douglas. With Douglas in particular, he has 23 catches through 12 training camp practices. 19 of them have run from Bailey Zappi. So, so, but, it's, but so it's, he's not – we we used to do this with, with Brady, right? And the big one I always remember was Austin Carr. And I, I think Demario Douglas is a better player than Austin yeah, Carr. But Austin Carr caught like all of his passes in that camp that everybody was raving about how good Austin Carr was from the backup quarterbacks. He never caught a pass from Brady. But but we've seen Demario Douglas. Be, Demario Douglas has tortured Marcus Jones in this camp. He has. He is, and that's it. We all think Marcus Jones is a good corner, and I'm not changing my opinion on that i believe he's a good cornerback we've seen marcus jones be uh sorry we've seen tomorrow douglas beat jack jones yeah i've seen that a couple times i if you want to say temper the expectations like i i see people say oh what are his rookie of the year odds yeah you can, you can calm down well on that. i i see but, that i also see like starter like you want to call that a top three receiver but, but he, or whatever. here's here's what i'd say he has we're two weeks into this we're two weeks into this five-week process right yes he has checked every box to this point that is the way I look at it. He yeah. has not done anything to this point to no. lead me to believe this is fake. Now, if he comes out tomorrow night and, and just isn't a guy, like just has a bad game, all right, maybe we need to slow down and revisit this. I'm, but I'm not saying it's fake. I'm just saying that I'm still in the camp that we're talking about him making the team. Oh, I think he's making the team. I don't think we're talking about him having a big contribution yet. So there's a, there's Troy Brown said too small of a sample size, but but what I will say is there's a second part to that that we can get into because it's not part of his rise up. The proposed depth chart isn't just him, right? Although we've seen him, you know, in practice the last couple days kind of take on more of a role. But I, I think when you have a guy that again, he's checked every box. It was, you know, first was, all right, well, like, let's just see how he looks as a player. All right, really good route runner. He's explosive. Cool, but he's small. Let's see what happens when the pads come on. And he's out there throwing his body around, and he's setting blocks, and he's, you know, breaking off routes at the top through coverage. All right, he's checked that box. You know, you're going to have the preseason game. You're going to have joint practices. Those are going to be more boxes. But he keeps checking those boxes. And he does. He hasn't done anything yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. Has he done anything yet that you can point at that and say that's why he won't be an NFL player? No, but I think. But what I will tell you is, is that you all can take your one on ones and seven yeah. on sevens and throw them out the door. I do not care that Demario Douglas is undefeated in one on ones. It's irrelevant. It doesn't. It's not real football. But but it, it, you see what kind of route you, runner you he is. You see the the movement absolutely. Right. But what's going to happen when that corner is playing underneath him, and then the safety is playing at the at the intermediate level, a robber, a defender, and then the next defender is at the post. If safety he's level, getting his, co- is if, he going to be able to run through three guys? If he's getting that kind of attention, that's excellent. But it's not about just the like. That's just the structure, right? Like that's just NFL football. So and one on ones is just not we, real but, but, football. But we don't know. I'm not going to blame the guy for something that hasn't happened. 
I, I'm just, I'm not either. I'm not blaming him. He I'm hasn't had a down. chance to check that box. I'm just saying, That's it. To, I, I think the hype is valid because he's checked every box at this point. I think there needs to be an understanding within that hype that there's a long way to go. Yeah. But I totally think the hype is valid. Kayshawn Booty's a little bit of a different situation. He's more high floor, uh, high ceiling, low floor just because it, K- he's not a 6 Kayshawn Booty's done exactly what I expected was have these like isolated flashes yeah. where you're like, oh, there is freshman year Kayshawn Booty again. But it's it's not consistent like Douglas. Douglas has consistently been open when he's been out there, whether it's against the twos or whatever. It doesn't really matter. And you also see the quick twitch. You see the route running. You see the change of direction. Uh, you see that ability. I mean, the route that he ran, and I just crapped all over one-on-ones, but, but like the route that he ran against Miles Bryant yesterday in one-on-ones was absolutely disgusting. But that's my point. Like, that, that that's, you look like, at that. I'm, I'm not saying that you're, I'm looking at the one-on-ones and saying he won all his one-on-ones. He's an NFL player. Yeah. But what you do look at is you look at and you say, that is an NFL route. Yeah. That is a route that can beat an NFL cornerback and When's the last time they had a young so, receiver so you were best, saying that about on a regular so basis? Be, and, of course, I just went on this whole thing about one-on-ones are irrelevant. Now I'm going to credit him for a one-on-one. Because right, you were wrong. The, the the best part of that route was the little peekaboo that he did. Yeah. Because the, he, we knew he can move. the Like, his feet, he's fast. He's got burst. Yeah. He's got quickness. But the, that little detail at the top of the route to head fake, like he's going to go out and then break it off back to the inside, That that's what sold the route. That's what made the rap. I, I mean, crazy. It, look, it shows up on his tape at Liberty. He's a very yeah, nuanced, detailed. I remember one thing I watched, and again, this is like super nuanced. I don't know if you saw this. His shoulders. Yeah. When he runs he a se- route, he sells things really he, well. You, his shoulders, like he can sell things with his shoulders incredibly well. That yeah. was the one thing that stood out to me. So, no, I, I look. I still think that he can. Pl- I think he can play. I think he's an NFL player. Me too. I, I am comfortable saying that. You know. To what extent of an NFL player is he a top of the depth chart guy? Is he a rotational guy? That, that's only is he just a punt returner? That's my only point. It's and look, it's too soon to know that. It, I'm not saying he is or he isn't. I'm saying it's too soon to know. But I'm not going to hold it against him that it's too soon to know. I'm not holding and, it against. Yeah, you're holding it against him a little bit that holding, it's too soon to know. I'm not holding it. Against you're holding it against him. the fans. I'm that holding it's too it against the know. hype, and I'm not. I'm not trying to like. I'm not trying to attack anybody for for hyping him up. I'm trying to just. I'm trying to be a realist with people. Like you come, you come and listen to our show, and we're not going to tell yeah. you like about Malik Cunningham. Like I know you probably will, but like in a, you know what I mean. Like we're not right. going to sit here and say like this this guy or that guy. We're trying to tell you what's real and what's not. What's actually going to translate? What's actually going to make an impact? And I'm convinced at this point of camp that. Demario Douglas should be on this football everything, team. There's so, no so doubt about point, that, but I'm not convinced of anything else. But I, I've seen a bunch of things that I know will translate. It's everything fair. he's done looks like it's going to translate. It's just to what extent. Yeah. But given their history wide receiver and just as a six-round pick in general, I think getting that far is worth getting a little excited about. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. It gets, a little you hate excited. fun. You, you, you're a little excited. There we go. I'll take I'm that. A you're a little excited. excited. Well, I, I think the I other mean, the other reason this I think... Started with, this started for us at the Shrine Bowl, and I'm not trying to toot our own horns. No, people were tweeting about at me about this yesterday. But we saw it. We knew. But we my point is is that now no now, oh come no, on. No, no, We're on no, video. No, You're gonna no, make me look no, stupid. I was no, trying to get a fist no. bump for us do you remember so there's that but my point about bringing up the shrine bowl is not yeah. to not to pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, do it a little bit. No. Our yeah, my point my point about bringing up the shrine bowl is is you talk about checking boxes. He was open all day at the shrine bowl against 
granted, got draftable guys. Yeah. Not necessarily guys that are going to make NFL rosters across the board, but certainly guys that are going to be – that were drafted, that are, are – competing for 53-man roster spots across the league. So that that was the first box. Then he goes to the combine, and he runs like a 4-4. Yeah. Box checked, right? And I think now, he had a good three-cone, too. And now he comes here to to the Patriots and, and has been great every step of the way that he possibly can be. He's going to make the Patriots roster. Yeah. I think we can say that now. I just I'm trying to temper expectations of the impact he's going to have on Sundays because I'm still not convinced that he's going to be – what everybody is hoping and dreaming that he's going to be. I, I and it's not against him. It's just the realness of the of the way camp. But, works. but you're also not saying he's not going to be that. You're just saying it's too early it's to tell because people are going to hear size. that. It, people are going to hear that. And by the way, somebody on YouTube said you're the greatest fence sitter of all time. People are going to hear what you're saying and and think Politician, that you're saying classic. he's not good. And it's it's I'm with you. It's too soon to tell. I'm just saying if you want to enjoy the ride, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the ride. Just don't you know. Thursday's a big thir- tomorrow just, night's a big night for him. My biggest thing is is I just don't want people to oh the media hyped him up all camp like where's Demario Douglas? But here's part of the darling, reason he's different. And then he goes in and he has like and, and doesn't play all year. But, and he's but, a healthy scratch for. But here's game. part of the reason he's different too than some of the guys in the past. You've heard players hype him up. Yeah, Dietrich Wise, who's a defensive lineman, was hyping him up. Marcus Jones well, was what, very what, complimentary. What, what are they supposed to say? Like uh, you we've have, got a bunch of good a, receivers. That's you, that's what they always say. You get up I there asked, at the party. So, so what do you perfect think of the example. Just sucks. Like what do you mean? Like what no, are they supposed to say? I asked. I asked. So I was. We actually if talked. You, can, can I uh, go ahead? We go. talked to Douglas yesterday, and he was talking about how the Patriots coaching staff has taught him how to read the ball as a punt returner. Yeah. So I, because I, I'm curious about Bryce Beringer, I said, you know what? What is the it like catching the ball off Bryce's foot? Yeah. And he started. He goes. Oh, he's and then he caught himself. He goes, "We have two really good punters." That is what they've done for years. What is he supposed to say? What What, what is Dietrich Wise supposed to say when asked about Tamara Douglas? Yeah, we got a lot of good receivers. The rookies are working hard. That's what they've always said. Okay, that's always been the line. You know this, Evan. I know. That's but always it's, been the okay. line. There's so, a little bit more buzz from the players than Demario Douglas than there typically is for rookies. A little bit. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say to all this buzz from the yeah. rookies. When we go to Green Bay next week. If Jair is telling me that Demario Douglas can play, I'll be in. Okay, but that hasn't. Right? If, had, if, had, you're, if, you're just if your Jair tells me, just things that Jair, happened yet. I, I mean, Jair Alexander yeah. from the Packers is one of my favorite. I don't players think he's going to cover him because he's going to be he's not a slot corner. Well, he'll see him. All right, and that's enough for me. Like if J- Jair Alexander comes off the practice field and somebody from the Patriots contingent, you know, media contingent out there in Green Bay says, "Hey, Jair, uh, what what do you think about sixty on the Patriots?" He's going to say they got a bunch of good receivers, and, and, he, and he says, "He says, oh, that that boy, nice or that guy well, can play." It shouldn't be sixty at that point. I, I'm in. either. It shouldn't be sixty at that point. My hot take is I really need Demario Douglas to wear eighty because I need Troy Brown to pass the baton, but it, it hasn't happened yet. All I'm saying is enjoy the ride. But I will say, here's... Pro- I've enjoyed the ride up to this point. It doesn't think it's sound getting, like it. It's just getting a little crazy. That's it. It doesn't sound like it. It's, I, I just, so it's so here's crazy. part of the reason I think with Douglas in particular, it's getting a little out of hand. Yeah. This is where we have to bring Tyquan Thornton in. Because I think there was this belief coming into camp that even if Tyquan wasn't great, there was going to be a little bit of leash. And yeah. there was going to be a little bit of leash. He was going to have a little more room to develop for two reasons. One... He was the 50th overall pick a year ago. It's too early to quit on that. And two, even if he was the fourth receiver behind Parker, Smith, Schuster, and Bourne, he was going to play because that's how they were going to get the speed on the field. Right. And we weren't sure there was any other way they were going to get the speed on the field. 
Well, now there might be another way they can get the speed on the field. And I don't know that Douglas has to be amazing to, you know, beat out Thornton. If if Thornton can't make it work with Mac Jones and Douglas gives you that speed element, all that there is, like, kind of pushing Thornton into the lineup is that 50th overall pick, and that's going to dry up real quick, that, that, that kind of cushion. So that's why I think there's so much hype for Douglas. It's not just that he's been good. It's that there is a very direct line. Like, I can see, all right, it's not just even good. This is how he's going to earn playing time. He's going to okay, play in but, a role but, like this. But let's it's also Thornton. face it. Let's face it. We all are – I'm not taking myself out of this. Rookie wide receiver pops in Patriots training camp is an easy headline that, that gets okay, you a million I, yes, clicks. Yes, Evan, there's a, long, yes, there's a long way to go. I get it. I, <laughs> I get it. I'm just saying the hype is just – Getting a little crazy with Taekwon. But yes, but yes, let's, Evan, let's none of them on, work let's out. Let's move on to Taekwon. No, no, because it's important. None I of them, knew this was going to get None of them work out until one of them does. None of them work out until one of them does, and it's, it's they it's need so, the speed on the field. It's if so Douglas is going to give them the speed. That the sixth round pick is going to be the one that ends up being Over good. the second round pick, yes. But if Ugh. they need to get the speed on, there is, and this is part of the reason to a more. Just draft ex- the skill set. In the second round, like this is just not that. I'm, okay, I'm but sorry. we don't need I'm to revisit sorry. that. It's just not. It, this is crazy. this is why there's more hype around around Douglas than Booty, and this is why Douglas is getting so much of the hype. Yeah, because Tyquan Thornton's had a bad camp on top of his good camp, and it is very easy to draw that line. And it's looked like it. We we talked last uh, whatever it was last week, two weeks ago, about how if you want to say the quarterbacks are competing, that's different than saying there's a quarterback competition because a quarterback competition is a very specific set of circumstances where both players are repping with the same players against the same players, splitting the reps, etc. Yeah. That's what's happening right now with Tyquan Thornton and Demario Douglas. It started like three or four days ago. They're competing for that fourth wide receiver spot. That doesn't mean Douglas has won it. That doesn't mean he's going to win rookie of the year. So don't tell me that there's still a long way to go. Mean? Cause yes, I know that. But it's Jamar Chase, rookie of the year, but coming up, it it feels like they're giving Demario Douglas a chance to prove he's better than Tyquan Thornton and earn that fourth spot. Will he do it? I don't know. That's why we still have two weeks to go. But okay. do, will you agree to that? Demario Douglas has gotten to the point where he's kind of neck and neck with Tyquan Thornton right now, and one of those guys is going to win that fourth receiver spot. Yes, but I think they're different. So I, I in my brain, I have a tough time talking about it. Like, they're different, but they're not incredibly different. Demario Douglas to me is not a field stretcher. Horizontally, maybe, but he's not a vertical field stretcher. They don't have the luxury, I think, of nitpicking that. I think it's literally just they need speed on the field. That's he, he's right, but he's to me what we have seen. Although he was a field stretcher in college, he was. I I don't know if that's gonna that might have been a Liberty thing. I don't know if that's gonna work out. That's here. fair, but like he, you could try it at least. You could try it, but like he's like mid four fives. Or four fours, excuse me, like a four four four. I think is what he ran. I think he ran like a four four one. It's that's not four two eight. It's okay, not four well, two eight. Well, so this is to your point of there's still time left. I want to see him Thursday night. I want to see him against the Packers. We we know he can do the underneath I stuff. It. I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna be pissed off at me for having. Let's this take. let's see if he can do some of the vertical stuff. I thought your take was gonna be it's too soon to quit on Tyquan Thornton. I'll get to that in a second. Let's take some of these calls that people have been hold, on hold for a while. We're definitely going to talk Taekwondo, though. All right. Uh, John is in Louisiana. What's up, John? John A. We left hey. Him on. hey. Hello, hello. Hey, sorry for that. Uh, leaving you on hold for so long. What's up? 
No, it's all good. Uh, first, I just want to give you all your flowers, man. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Thank you. Actually, Evan, you just tweeted me back on uh, Twitter. I was giving you your flowers about the offseason. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, so my question is, uh, with the new offensive coordinator, the weapons, do you think we're going to be a run to pass the ball or a pass to run the ball team? And my last question is, if you had one draft pick, would you pick Devin McCourty or Stephon Gilmore? But that's all, my, uh, that's all I got, guys. Okay, oh. all right. That, that last one's a tough one, John. Thanks for the call. Uh, so run to pass, pass to run. I, I still think at his roots that Bill O'Brien wants to air it out. Yeah. It's, well, he wants to throw the ball. Air it out, I think, of more as like a deep okay, attack. Yeah. He, but he wants I, to I, put the ball in the I still think he wants to throw the ball. Yeah. Uh, I think it, ideally to him it would be like between 35 and 40 attempts a game for Mac Jones yeah. in his dream scenario. Will Bill, the other Bill, allow him to throw the ball that much? Is it a totally different discussion? And then obviously, of course, it's all about success and, and, and failure, right? You know, if, if they're throwing the ball well, then they can keep throwing the ball. If right. they're not, then they're going to have to change Well, the there's also, is it O'Brien or Belichick who talks about the screen being an extension of the run game? Uh, I, I know usually, I've heard that. Usually Belichick. Okay, so that's, maybe that that's going to affect. The fact- short passing game, the horizontal passing game, screen game, sure, certainly will all be part of their But I wonder if, if that's repertoire. how O'Brien sells it. Yeah. Is, you and know, that, throwing the ball that's, more. That's 2011 Patriots, right? Yeah. Like that's, you know, we're going to throw the ball to, to Wes Welker and it's going to be a, a three-yard pass that he's going to turn into an eight-yard pass and the eight yards per attempt on that throw is going to be better than the four yards per attempt we're going to average on the ground. Right. And that's, that's, that's that entire offensive philosophy. I still think that they're going to incorporate a ton – of run actions, whether it's play action, yeah. RPO, whatever the case may be, uh, to keep the defense honest. But are they going to be like last year? They were run first team twenty one. They were They're ground and pound team. Run, last year. run first team in twenty one as well. Are they going to be that? I don't think ideally, but again, it all comes down to how well they throw the ball. Right. That's what's going to dictate that. Uh, Gilmore versus McCourty. I, I that's a tough one because clearly, and I love Devin McCourty. Yeah, peak Stephon Gilmore was a better football player. Than, and it's then Devin. It's also you know that shutdown corner. If I'm building a defense, that's where I'm starting. Yeah. Like I I just as as a def- and I love Devin. It and if you're so if you're telling me if I have to win one game, it's it's Steph. Because right. if I'm building a defense, I want that shutdown corner. If you're telling me like I'm starting a team, yeah. Devin's leadership. Not that Steph wasn't yeah. a good leader, but Devin's leadership. Like I consider that. But it's just give me the shutdown corner all day. Like. That's the, that's you start with a quarterback on offense. You're starting with a shutdown corner on defense. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, how David in Rochester? We we've been to Rochester a couple have, million yes. times. What's up, David? Hey guys, how's it going? Hey. Hey. So I had a running back question, and then I had something for Alex. I think Alex might like this. Okay. I'll start with the Alex thing. All right. So, Alex, I think I speak for everyone here, Cash Twenty Two listeners, when I say that. We need more kicker and punter talk. Yes, we'll, we'll get to that. Despite what Evan thinks. I, I love that. Good point. That. I agree. Uh, so my running back thing, it was actually more in free agency. Why do you think that the whole Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook thing has gone completely silent? Are we waiting for what the Jets are going to do? Or are we just waiting to see what we have in Strong and Harris? I'll take it off the air. Thanks, David. Thanks, and, uh, yeah, Alex can do special teams on his own time, which I will give him oh, time I, on this show. I have actually a take on that question, too. I just had talked about this yesterday with Felger and Maz. Yeah. I think so. There's two reasons I think the veteran running back market's gone quiet, and he kind of alluded to it. One, I think 
Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, they're waiting for Dalvin Cook. Yeah, they want to let him set the, the market. Domino, yeah. Which my whole conspiracy theory about how they were saving to announce Dalvin Cook signing on Hard Knocks didn't pan out. <laughs> but I, I, I think those guys want to see the market set. He actually got the second reason too, I think. Yes, the Patriots do need another running back. But they need that guy for week one of the regular season. They don't need that guy now. They've got two young backs and Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong who didn't play a ton last year. Why take reps away from those guys at this point? I yeah. think that they've wanted to drill those guys a ton, and not just so they can get better, but also to evaluate and see. Because if one of those guys emerges as a true number two back, now you don't need Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette. Now maybe you just go sign C.J. Marable as your your the USFL guy they worked yeah, out. Yeah. I don't know if it's Marable or Marable, but yeah. you go sign him as just your depth back, and hey, Pierre Strong or, or Kevin Harris takes over for Damian Harris is that true number two. Right. If neither of those guys emerge, then all right, you know, you still got invaluable reps. And how long do Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette really need to get going for the season? A week, two weeks. So I think after that Green Bay game is when they're going to look at it and say, all right, we've got them evaluated through two games, two joint practices. Here's where we believe those two are at. We need another guy. And that's when they make the signing. As it stands right now, I still I think they need to add one of those veterans because I don't think Harris or Strong have been bad in camp. Yeah, but I also don't think they've been good. They've just kind of been there. Neither one's really popped, and they do need a, a second, a number two back who's going to give you something because Ramondre Stevenson cannot be a three hundred touch guy again this year. He got burnt out by the end of the year. You can't have that happen two years in a row. I still really would like to see them add Ezekiel Elliott. I wouldn't be mad about Leonard Fournette, but I'm not surprised that they're taking their time with it again. I think like a week from now is when that conversation really starts to pick up. Yeah, so I'm I'm fully with you on on the timing of it all, so I, I won't have a, necessarily need to go into that again. But I think the biggest thing with for the second-year guys and what we've seen out of them in practice, one, I, I will give them the, the out that if your offensive line isn't creating the holes in practice and it's kind of difficult for you to pop as a running that, back. That's fair, but it, like, right? it, uh, the big thing for them, and Bill's talked about this, is in pass pro. They just, but they haven't really. They haven't had a ton of chances to do, and that's why not I, even Ramondre has really broken off any like real big runs in practice. Well, it but and hasn't. that's but that's also what I said. We'll see these games. We'll see the yeah. joint practices. It's also difficult to evaluate, especially guys like Kevin Harris, who's like a bowling ball. Like you're not gonna his physicality and stuff like that is not going to translate necessarily in practices where they're not tra- tackling through the whistle and tra- tackling to the ground as much. And they do the tackling drills and some periods are, are quote unquote live, but we're not talking right. about game uh, type of reps. Now I, the more that we get, you know, I love Pierre strong. Like I, I I'm a Pierre strong guy. I want to see Pierre strong with the football in his hands as much as possible. Uh, you know, not, obviously as a number one guy but just as a role player to get that speed on the field and get him in the open field with that speed with that being said there's clearly a really good chemistry between Jones and Ramondre in the passing game yeah he looks to Ramondre a ton uh, Mac does and sometimes I think that that's not always the you know the, these little check downs and dump offs like do those on your own time but at the same time like they'll he'll look at the, if he gets Ramondre on one of the linebackers like not like a true linebacker I'm not talking yeah. about like one of the safety hybrids a, a true line like, he's going there nine times out of ten so I think the chemistry that he has with Ramondre in the passing game is a factor in all of this so with all that being said I, I do wonder if it becomes more about Kevin Harris or potentially Zeke Elliott or Leonard Fournette than it does about a passing game player emerging and taking that away from Ramondre. And obviously the passing game player would be Pierre Strong or like a healthy Ty Montgomery. Right. 
because maybe they look at it and they say, Wada, instead of Vermondre carrying the ball, what he had uh, 70 catches roughly last year. So instead of him carrying the ball 200 times, if we can get that down to 150, 125, so that he can still play on third down, yeah, he he might be their best third down back still. And so instead of it, he's cutting into the early down work is the point. And if that's going to be the case, then it's going to be Harris. It's going to be Zeke. It's yeah. going to be one of these other bigger backs. That's uh, gonna- although I'm also still not opposed to them doing a drive for drive thing like they tried to do last year. I, I still think that should be on the table. But the problem is they need that second they, back who can do that. I think that they... Which would be Fournette. I think that Ramondre is too good. Like, I think that they look at Ramondre as a true bell cow. And I don't know if they're going to... Unless they unless it's Dalvin Cook, I don't know if you're going to get your tit okay. for tat. I think that Fair. they're going to look at Ramondre no, they, and want to play they, There's a, a reason not every team does that. It's because it's, it's super hard to have the personnel. But if Fournette could maybe... Maybe you go two drives for Ramondre, one for Fournette. Yeah. Maybe it's not one for one. Yeah, I, I just think that they might be looking again at more of like a Damian Harris guy than elevating Pierre Strong to the James White role and having him cut into the snaps that way, right? So, uh, somebody in the chat says Mac doesn't look to throw to the running back enough. Okay, that <laughs> had 70 catches last year. How many more catches <laughs> do you want him to have? All right. Uh, like, says he looks to him last. Okay. Uh, Devin is in New Hampshire. What's up, Devin? Ooh. Oh, man. All right. Mark is in Connecticut. Mark, I I missed you at practice the other day. I apologize, but what's going on? Hey, Evan. No, it's all good. I know you're a busy man. It's all good, man. I saw the Sarge over there. We chatted with him for a little while. But there you go. Anyway, um, uh, running back, I was going to talk to you about that, but you guys kind of already, uh, you know, intervened on that. But, uh, I'm still a fan of Demario Pop Douglas. I still think he's going to make the roster, and I think he's actually going to be a pretty good impact player. Wanted to get your take on that because it seems like you're kind of putting him down a little bit now. I know, I know. Thanks for the call, Mark, and and for listening as always. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to put him down. He's done everything right. He's done everything right. Alex is right about that. He's checked every box. He's done everything right. We all see it. It's all tangible that you can see the quick twitch. You can see the burst. I think especially at the top of the route's really there as well. But he's really developed, and Marcus Jones talked about this yesterday, the early stages of the route, he's getting even better at that, like yeah. the release, the stem, setting it up, you know, salesmanship, that sort of thing. That's come along really nicely for him as well. I think he's an NFL player. I think he's going to make the 53-man roster. I just need to see it against – better competition, more significant reps than pra- than just regular training camp practice, joint practices, preseason games. That's when I'm going to find out if DeMario Douglas is a dude. I know DeMario Douglas is a 53-man roster yeah. player, but is he a guy? I, I don't I don't know yet. No, is he it- is a guy. We don't know if he's a dude. Sure. He is a guy. They love, love, love Juju, Parker, and Bourne. They love him. But you- they're, they're, it's going to take a lot, I think, to take those three off the field for this coaching staff in eleven personnel. But, but again, it to is. go back to the point, I think, and there is, there's got to be an understanding that there, there needs to be a speed element. I agree. The other thing is, like, you know, I agree with that, right? And, and look, it's, it's football. It's an unfortunate reality. Those three guys aren't all playing seventeen games. Not they're, especially not Parker and Juju. Right, they're not. So you're going to have to. And if they do play all 17, it's probably because they're managing their workload and they're mixing yeah. in a fourth receiver on a regular basis. So, again, I, I, I think it's Thornton and Douglas battling for that fourth spot right now. And, again, there's I will admit with you, there's a long way to go. I think some people already have Douglas as the guy and Thornton yeah. off the roster. It's too soon for that. But 
it is trending towards at least Douglas winning that. So let me ask you this, though, to go back to, because you got a lot of people worked up about that. Yeah. When is the Good. last time? Because so people go back to last year. We had that whole thing with little Jordan Humphrey and Trey Nixon and oh, Christian God, Wilkerson. Remember? Oh, God. But like, and, and we were talking about them as like maybe being something. We were not yeah. talking about them as definitively yeah. as tomorrow. Douglas. It was almost by elimination. We just figured they were going to carry a fifth wide receiver. And those were the best options. When's the last time you remember a Patriots rookie receiver? Just to this point, there's a yes, there's a way to go <laughs> to this point. When's yeah. the last time you remember a Patriots receiver having this complete of a camp? <sighs> I mean, not in my time covering the team. And that's the point. That's where the excitement comes from. Because that, that's totally fair. This it does look different than it's I'm looked with these other guys. I'm excited about it too. I just we talk about this all the time. I have made mistakes evaluating players in camp in the past. You don't. I'm you're you're, you're a little, no. You're a little gun shy. I'm not going to use his name because it's not fair to Maurice Harris that we always <laughs> throw him under the bus. All right, but the point being is that. You're a little a gun lot. shy buying in on a speed on a fast player because he's yeah. fast. And, and a right. lot of guys, a lot of guys just have good training camps like out of so nowhere, and it doesn't always it doesn't always stick. I'm not saying that he's not going to stick. I'm just saying again, I don't know if he's a dude yet. I know he's a guy. Yeah. I don't know if he's a dude. And so here's why I think this one's a little different. Maurice Harris, some of those other speed guys, they fell off when the pads came on. You could yeah. see it. Douglas didn't. Yeah. That's well, the Pats have been on. He's been good. At this the point, the Pats have been on like five practices. Okay. Well, at this point it would be more about I think it's more realistic he falls off against like other teams competition than yeah. it's just the Pads. Like that's I've seen point. enough that I believe he can handle contact. That that's my point too. And that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So let's talk about Taekwon for yeah. a second because we're talking we're talking a lot about the receivers anyways. I when it comes to Taekwon, I I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm super disappointed. I'm I'm upset. Yeah. I'm upset. And the reason why there's another you got burned on him in the spring. The reason why I'm upset about Taekwon is because injuries aside, like let's just let's just talk about when he's been out there, right? The injuries and, and all that stuff aside, let's just focus on when he's actually been out there. I think he's gotten open. I think he he's has gotten, gotten open. open, and I he's doing it against the twos, which you need to add that context. It's not always against Christian Gonzalez. He or, did beat Christian Gonzalez in a one on one yesterday, yeah, though. Don't don't tell me about one on ones. Anyways, in five minutes, you'll be talking about how they matter. Uh, that's fair. Uh, he has gotten open. What's disappointing about Taekwon is he cannot freaking finish through contact to save his life. And that's so frustrating because they need the speed element. And I mentioned that Demario Douglas is a little bit different. I think Demario Douglas's role with this Patriots team is what we have grown accustomed to seeing out of that quick twitch slot role. And he's faster in a straight line than some of the guys that have been in that role in the past. You know, he's not he's he's faster than Edelman or, or Welker or Amendola or one of those guys. He's probably more in like the Troy Brown, Dion Branch mold. Yeah, I I think Dion Branch is a, is a solid comp, but he's to me he's not he's not a take the top off burner like Taekwon could be. And we've seen Taekwon do it a couple times. The the throw that that really frustrated me, and I, I just. I was like, all right, like this is just, this is getting to a point now where I don't think he might ever be able to do this. He ran a post corner against uh, Josh Bledsoe. Got uh, yeah, okay, I know what player you're talking about. Like five yards of separation. He was open, wide open. Bailey Zappi underthrew it. He flat out underthrew mm, the pass. It was a catchable ball. I'm getting it was to. I'm okay. getting to. Oh, it. all right, I see where he you're going. Flat I see where out you're going. underthrew the ball. No doubt about it. 
But Taekwon adjusted to the underthrown ball, came back to it, elevated above Joshua Bledsoe, and had the ball in his hands for a beat. Yeah, high pointed it. He had the ball in his hands for a beat, and then when he brought it down, he left it out like a loaf of bread and allowed Joshua Bledsoe to just knock it out of his hands for an incomplete pass. He's not going to win with physicality. We know that. But he is six foot three. And the fact that he cannot win, it's not about winning like Devontae Parker style jump balls. Go watch a lot of these speed guys around the league. And as much as Tyree Kill might get five yards behind the defense once every two weeks or something like that, he also is able to get a step and then finish through the contact at the catch point. If you can't do that, and you're only relying on the times where you actually just blow by the defense and beat everybody by five yards, then you are a, you're you're going to be a situational, like sparingly targeted player. What separates the the deep threats in this league? What separates guys like Tyree Kill from guys like Philip Dorsett? Yeah is that they can finish at the catch point, and he can't finish at the catch point, so what good is... It's such a waste of talent because he can get open. He just can't finish the play. There was another play. This was the same practice. I think Was this Monday? Uh, I think it was Monday. Where he got open in the end zone. Like, yeah. we talked about the red zone struggles at the beginning. He got open in the end zone, and, it, I mean, it wasn't a perfect throw from Zappi. It wasn't between the numbers. It was a little off his frame, but it was a... Per- like, it's a fine throw. You wouldn't look at it and say it's a bad throw, but he had to go away from his frame and catch it. So he goes out, he catches the ball, but he can't bring it into his body. Rodney Randall gets over and just hits him with his shoulder, like in the side, like, yeah. you know, very normal football plays, give him a little shoulder check, and Thornton dropped the ball. Yeah. And it's, it's again, that thing where catching through contact as a hands catcher, look, it's been it, the Patriots' history at wide receivers, obviously very convoluted and complex. And yeah. it's very hard to be like, all right, what – kind of guys do work here because it's been so hard to find that the answer to that demario douglas yes well if there is just it, draft demario douglas <laughs> in the second freaking round sorry that would have been uh uh, uh tank dell if just just like you know what skill set works okay but but so just take that skill set and draft it from a power five or from like a top 100 prospect why why do they do this why? I, it, just to let me finish my point. If there is one individual skill, yeah. so so the the three cone and the agility is one. Another one, and I don't think this gets talked about enough. You go back to Dion Branch through, uh, you know, there's a bunch of guys here. Julian Edelman was great at this. Brandon Cooks was great at this. Moss, Gronk, obviously. Uh, Welker, uh, hands catchers. Yeah. So what that means is, like, a body catcher is a guy, when he catches the ball, he brings it in the body. That's how he makes the catch. Hands catchers, you can go out, you can catch the ball away from your frame, and even if there's contact, your hands are strong enough to hold on to the ball. I'll give it to Keishon Booty. He's a good hands good catcher. Good hands catcher. That's another yeah. one. Mike Kosicki's a guy who's looked like a really good hands well, catcher early yeah, in this that's practice different. in this that's camp. Ridiculous. Tyquan Thornton, not a hands catcher remotely. And yeah. that's a that's a a focus it's it's a balance thing and it's a it's a play strength thing. And we know his play strength isn't great. We've known that. And it was something you'd hope would get better going into his second year that hasn't been and when you have an accurate quarterback like Mac Jones, or you know, this is why this is why these guys worked with Tom Brady because when the quarterback knows you can go away from your body and make the play, it essentially increases the window he has to throw the ball. That might open up some windows that don't otherwise exist. Yeah, Mac Jones can capitalize on that, not to the level Brady could, but he can capitalize I mean, on just, that. Just ask Mike Kosicki. Right, exactly. If you can't go away from your frame to catch the ball, and away from your frame doesn't mean to the side; it also means up. And yeah. Taekwon being six three. 
if you can't go away from your frame to catch the ball, that doesn't do the quarterback a lot of good. And that, to me, is what's been more discouraging about Tyquan than anything else. It's been his hands. Yeah, it's been extremely disappointing that because you see, like on the Bledsoe play that I described. He he's six three and he's got a pretty good wingspan. So he goes up to catch the football, and you're like, "That's a pretty high level." Yeah, and like, we we've talked about this, and I know you hate it, but we've talked about this. That's going to be a big part of their offense this year: vertical separation. You're low key climbing the ladder at, with ta- with with Tall Reek, right? Like you're getting up yeah. there, and but he can't hang on to the football. And I think the difference is, and this is why I. Look, I I probably was was the last one that that believed anything in Nikhil Harry also, but with with Nikhil Harry, he was stiff, he was slow, he couldn't run routes like you. Another guy that wasn't a good hands catcher. And but we saw it like almost right away that this guy just didn't move at a first round level. Like it just he wasn't explosive, he wasn't a good route runner, he couldn't change direction. It was just he wasn't an NFL athlete like people thought he was. I think Tyquan Thornton's an NFL athlete. I think Tyquan Thornton's speed is legit. I think it's difficult to win to when he yeah. gets going. And that's going. that's why I'm I, as as much as I just kind of dug into him, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. Yeah, I think all those things are legit. It's the details that are just not there with him. The hands, uh, the, the ability to you know the route running and the in the fundamentals of route running in terms of the IQ, like all those types of things. The other veteran guys, and I know he's only in his second year, but you want we can watch it against like Parker, Juju, Bourne, like those guys are just so far and away better at the catch point yeah. than Taekwon is. It's so obvious watching them play football on a day-to-day basis in practice. And that's why it's so frustrating with Taekwon because he does the hardest part. The hardest part's getting open. Yeah. He does the hardest part. He just can't do, he can't do the rest of it. He, he, he wins on 95% of the route, but it's the last 5% that he just can't close the deal. Yeah. And if he can develop that somehow, it, I, it, it's not about like, adding muscle to his frame it's well it's uh, but that would help at the catch point because if you have stronger hands it's easier to hold on to the ball through contact so but that I don't is know, part maybe, of it maybe it's the small wrist maybe it's the small wrist maybe it's a, maybe he's got no wrist strength it's it's uh, i mean it, we're, we're joking but we're not it's 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 frustrating to watch because you watch him run by these guys and he ran a he beat isaiah bolden in sevens a little stutter and go and he caught it but he caught it in the bread basket which is totally different than what we're talking about and i was like there you go like that's doable the post corner is should be like a a a patented taekwon route that should be something that is a foundational i'm a 428 guy you can't cover me on this and he got open and and yeah, and in an ideal world, would Zappy have led him into you know down the field, and he would have walked into the end zone? Yeah, of course. But still, that again, it's not always going to be perfect conditions. The, right. And we talk about this all the time with the quarterbacks themselves that it's not always going to be perfect conditions. So uh, that's your Taekwon minute. I'm not ready to give up on Taekwon. I don't think you are either. Uh, but certainly in terms of playing time, it, it's getting to the point where he's the fourth guy at best at, at this well, stage, I, and, I've and given, that's different. I've given you that whole take about you've got to do what's best for Mac Jones, and if having Demario yeah. Douglas on the field is, and I think Mac Jones really likes Demario Douglas. If having he's from his hometown, if, if he's a legend in his hometown, yeah. Max said, and we, you know Taekwon, there's been a couple of miscommunications with them here, yeah, uh, so far this summer. If Demario Douglas being on the field is better for Mac Jones than Taekwon Thornton, then Demario Douglas needs to be on the field over Taekwon Thornton. Period. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to back to some of the phones here, and I do want to talk defense. We, we do. Yeah, this is like we, two shows we, we haven't done defense. We to, we'll definitely do It's defense. kind of a weird camp for the defense, though, because outside of Christian Gonzalez and Marte Mapu, they just brought back everybody from last year. It's You knew exactly what you were going to get, it's, and it's looked exactly there's like There's really, that. in a very good way, is there really any news on the defense other than Christian Gonzalez is good? No. Uh, like, I want to talk about Keon White, but we just, against the third-string offensive lineman, we can't do it. Yeah. I, I, we'll talk a lot about Keon White after the game tomorrow. Yeah, I think that that's sort of something that we're looking at in terms of the game tomorrow and then obviously moving forward is that some of these defensive guys, I think, need to be tested a little bit more, yeah. and uh, we'll we'll see what that looks like. I love the fact in the pre... So Christian Gonzalez has looked fantastic. He... D- even when he loses, it's not because he gets burnt. He's just, right. you know, trying to figure out some of the final elements of his game, like anticipation and ball skills and stuff like that. But he's in receivers' hip pockets basically all the time. And uh, he's really impressive. Yeah. We, we've all said that. I think the biggest thing for him, which is what I really like, uh, maybe not against the Texans if he plays a little bit tomorrow night, but in terms of the the Packers and the Titans, he's he is going to start to see some better receivers in those joint practices. Like perfect example, Christian Watson on the Packers That's gonna be fun to watch. is a great matchup for him, right? I, I even think Romeo Dobbs is a solid matchup for him, but Christian Watson in particular, big, fast physical outside receiver those are the types of guys that he's going to have to cover and yeah. cover well and then we get to Tennessee and we know you know who is down in Tennessee yeah. and so is Traylon Burke so we both didn't really love but still another big size speed type of receiver as well so I think that he has some warm-ups uh, certainly Burks was supposed to be A.J. Brown, and right. he's going to face A.J. Brown in week one. So it's kind of like minor league A.J. Brown, and that can get you ready for yep. major league A.J. Brown in week one. So Scout uh, team A.J. Brown. Yeah, so he loved what we've seen out of Gonzalez. Uh, the, the safety position is still, uh, I think if you have to look at one, I, I don't want to call it, I, I guess better, not concerned, question mark. I'm still not 110% sure how it's going to look in center field. I don't know how much they're going to really play. Yeah, I don't think they're. Way. I just think they're not going to do a ton of center field stuff. Yeah, that's kind of been my my takeaway from it. Yeah, because I just don't love. They don't have anybody up there, and I think one of the things that there's two things that, about it that I think are really the key. And one is obviously recognition and anticipation of route combinations, right? Like you have to be able to know what. The de- what the offense is running and yeah. figure it out quickly and anticipate and recognize formations and things like that situation formations when I say situation like down and distance formations like that's what made Devin a step ahead so often was that he was able to recognize those types of things pre-snap and then understand where the biggest threats were and how he can help and things like that and then obviously it's the flip and run talent like who has that ability to get into the pedal and then see that it's coming over the top and flip and run with the rec- in close right on a on a go ball on the on the sideline adrian phillips talked about this a little bit when we talked to him devin could sit in center field and he could go sideline to sideline he could just sit in the middle of the field and be able to make a play on the go ball on the side on the boundary you know up the up the numbers they don't necessarily have a guy that can do that now so is it tilting it like is it cheating it over to that side is it more too high like I still don't think we've necessarily 
gotten that answer because they're not really game planning or scheming at that type of level yet in practice. That's the one area that I've been a little bit like, uh, we still got to wait and see on this. Uh, the defensive run is ridiculous. Like they got like 17 guys that they can throw at you. All of them can beat blocks. Keon White's looked fine. I think he's going to be a rotational guy. Josh Uche, Connor, I mentioned it earlier. Connor McDermott must have him in his nightmares. Like he can't, can't block his speed. Yeah. Judon is like, just didn't even look like he missed a practice when he got out there with the pads on. And, uh, you know, Godshaw is going to do his thing. Uh, Dietrich Wise, I think, is still going to be at the level that he was similar to last year. I, I know that people regard like you can ask national media like a lot of people but i think the patriots have one of the best defensive fronts in football i, like, I, w- it, I would say so too especially it, if farmer's going to take that jump I, I still think san francisco's is better than theirs probably and maybe san da- francisco's is philly dallas like those are some it, of the other it's, teams. it's kind of weird because people have asked me like how good can the patriots defense be it, the the balance the, the lack of balance in defense between the afc and nfc yeah. like I feel confident there's three teams in the AFC that are going to be the three best defenses well above everybody else. The Patriots, Jets, Steelers. We'll see what order that ends up being yeah. in. I think they all have, you know, for the Patriots, it's where's Christian Gonzalez at. For for the Steelers, it's health. For the Jets, it's Sauce Gardner year two. But yeah. like, those are going to be three top defenses. But I don't know that any of those three would be even top two in the NFC. So it's like this weird thing trying to balance between those two. Yeah, it, it's their def- Patriots defensive front is legit. Yeah. Legit, legit. Marty Mapu... Still in the red jersey, that kind of – I still think that they're trying to figure out where exactly he fits best. They're not listening to me about using him solely at linebacker yet. So I still think that that's a preseason thing and maybe joint practice thing where we kind of hone in on exactly how he's going to be used. I, I, I still think that he's going to be a, a situational passing game player, coverage linebacker, right? Yeah. Come in on third down and, and cover on third down instead of, you know, maybe Jawan Bentley then moves forward and, and plays in the rush or uh, comes off the field. Jelani Tavai certainly comes off the field and that, that makes room for Marty Mapu. And, uh, you know, Jack Jones, like Jack Jones, he's a good player. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with him off the field. He has that uh, next hearing on uh, August 18th. So my guess is, is he won't be with us in Green Bay. He'll probably be back here. Right. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like uh, come August 18th because that's, I believe, he's been arraigned. So I believe that that's like the first hearing where the state brings their case to the table and they have to prove that they have a case against him. And at that point, then it goes to, you know, trial date and things like yeah, that yeah. so we'll see what happens on august 18th with jack jones but i i love the idea and obviously it matters if he's going to be out there but they have john jones they have christian gonzalez as these two guys that are just they, they're going to put straps on guys they're going to live in their hip pockets they can cover these receivers man to man and then you have your ball hawk on the boundary and jack jones and i think that that really allows him a Kyle Duggar, like some of those players to just rove the defense in the secondary and, and become ball hawks and, and go ahead and, and create those turnovers. So I, I love that balance of yeah. having that ability there. And obviously he does bring a little bit more size to the boundary as well. What what are your thoughts on Isaiah Bolden? Are you, I, I, I just rained all over the pop Douglas yeah. parade. So maybe we should do that so, too. Well, no. So I got super excited about Isaiah Bolden. And then the last couple of days, you know, he got elevated to, to, to yeah. more premier reps against better players and kind of came back down to earth a little bit. I, I like his long-term projection as like a third boundary corner. Me too. So he's and, a guy and, and kickoff returner and a kickoff returner. Like, yeah. I think it's come down to like him and Amir speed. A lot of people have it that way. 
if they don't have to burn, because people always like, oh, you cut a guy, you bring him back on the practice squad. Well, then you burn his rookie contract. And yeah, I wouldn't do that. I it, To me, like, do you want to be going year to year with Isaiah Bolden if he turns out to be a legit boundary corner? Right. So I, I, I had him as my 54th player on my last roster projection. Yeah, I had Miles him Bryan on. Just off. I did, because they like him, but. Uh. That's the one that's going to kill people. But I know. honestly, Miles, the more I think about it, Miles Bryant's on a one-year deal. He's definitely a guy you could cut and bring back. And I don't think yeah. he's waivers eligible either. I think he just becomes a free agent. So uh, he, uh, he might have played too much to be waivers eligible. He might be a free agent. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you wouldn't have to worry about anybody claiming him. You just tell him, hey. Because he's only in year four, right? F- uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think he's But he's not on his rookie deal. But he's not. Anyway. Um, yeah. I. I, I, I liked what I've seen from Isaiah Bolden. He's more kind of uh, – uh, with him, it's more, all right, like I like him as a project player. He's a good emergency option on the boundary. Like I'd rather have him on the boundary than Marcus Jones or Jonathan Jones. I like yeah. having that side speed, speed option on the boundary. He's not passing Jack Jones on the depth chart at any time soon. But if you lose Jack Jones for a period of time, I if he needs to give you two or three games, I think he could maybe give you two or three games and – He's a guy I'm, I'm more excited about, like, year two, year three. Where does he develop as a corner? And is he a guy that, you know, when Jack Jones' contract gets up, could he be the next man up there? Yeah, I would I would like to see them try to keep Isaiah Bolden from what I've seen. Yeah. I think that he's one of those guys that you just mentioned is only going to get better as he progresses, especially if you, you can say all the flack you want about the Patriots developing receivers. They can develop corners. They can definitely develop yeah. corners, and I think that they would be able to develop Isaiah Bolden. Maybe that's why they can't develop receivers, because they develop all these amazing corners, just blank these guys and, and it's literally just, make them give it's up. It's a mirror. <laughs> like, just, just do the opposite of what you tell the corners. Like, I don't understand. Uh, Isaiah Bolden, I think, has that ability, like you mentioned, to play on the boundary, which I like. I think he's got the physical tools to do it. And I know that Marcus Jones is Marcus Jones, and he's going to be – back there on kickoffs and punts in some capacity but I don't hate having a guy like Isaiah Bolden potentially as the kickoff returner instead of Marcus Jones Marcus Jones fast don't get me wrong but Isaiah Bolden's a strider right and right. sometimes the striders are better off on kickoffs so, than the fast and, and, and Marcus Jones talked about this like he's more of a punt returner than kick returner he's more experienced at that the yeah. interesting battle if we get to that point will be Demario Douglas is also a really good kick returner. So yeah. it'll be him and Bolden for that kick return. Job. I just always look at kick returns as like, you know, like Cordero Patterson is obviously the the gold standard for kickoff returns. Obviously. And he's like tall and big, yeah. you know, like I think the at, at that spot you you want a long strider more than you want the jitterbug, right? Like that's that's always how I've felt about it. Yeah, but I think that if you're a good enough jitterbug, you can make it work. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's especially take... actually with the new rules, especially I think that will make it more favorable to guys like that. Yeah. All right, let's take some of these calls and then then we'll get to Alex's special teams minute before we wrap the show. Right. But uh, Eldred is in North Carolina. What's up, Eldred? Hey, Alan, uh, Evan, how y'all doing? Good. Hey, um, I got a bone to pick with you, uh, Evan. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. 101 to 7 on 7th are football. Because if you can't get open on 101, you sure ain't going to get open on Sundays or Fridays or Saturdays whenever you play. You're not going to get open. It's not so wrong. that is real football, you know, because you got to develop not. your skills and sets. And if there's 7 on 7, you know, you get, you're going against corners and safeties and linebackers. But on the difference is you got on 11, you got lines coming at the quarterback. He ain't worried about them. He worried about the the guys in the secondary that's doing the covering in the zone. So he got to develop there. So I'll give you one bone. I'll give you seven on seven. You, I'm not going to give you one on one. <laughs> okay, keep being stubborn. That's all right. Love you anyway. <laughs> but 
But Taekwon, I love him. Man, he played like that on the game. If somebody hit him, he drops the ball. But if he's wide open, he's wide open. <laughs> like that on the game, too. But uh, I hope that – I wish they got uh, Jefferson to coach the wide receivers because I don't think they're getting coached right, to be honest with you. I know I know my man is back there, but Troy Brown, I think Troy is somewhere else. I don't think he's really out there kept developing some of them guys, to be honest, because we've got too many to go in and out, and they don't go nowhere else after that, after they leave us. Yeah. So that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, that that's a really fair point, Eldred, and thanks for the call. And uh, we uh, – We'll we'll settle on seven on seven. Well, I'll give you a seven on seven. Has some translatable skills. So I'm well, not giving you one on. But I'm not. Here, he's right. If you can't win one on ones, nobody's looking at the one on ones. Just the one on ones. It's saying he's going to be great because he's winning one on ones. But it, what? Some people might be. All right. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> like I said about tomorrow, Douglas checking all the boxes. It's yeah. a box. It's a box that's checked. Okay. It's not. You even used one on ones before in an example. I did. You're right. I like I I like it's Demario part, Douglas. It's part of the story. Not it's trying, not the whole story. I'm but not it's part trying of the to story. crap on Demario Douglas. We've liked Demario Douglas since January. Yes. So like this is our guy. We okay? told everybody about Demario Douglas. We found Here's, Demario Douglas. Here, we did not find Demario Douglas. No, remember his dr- on that website. The Patriots, the Patriots found him. No, but I'm the Patriots like, scouting staff knew about Demario Douglas two years. ago. I'm saying like outside <laughs> of outside of NFL scouting rooms. Yeah. Outside yeah. of like people who are like actual scouts. Yeah. Remember his draft stock on that website? It was yeah. like. Like in the 450, 500s, and then we start yeah. tweeting about him, and boom, he's a borderline yeah. top 100. It was pick. us. Okay, but here's the th- all I'm saying about Demario Douglas. This is me g- protecting my own butt, all right? Because I'm going to come up You've here. You've gotten burned too many I'm times before. And, and we're going to, oh, Demario Douglas, nobody can cover him. The guy's unbelievable, yada, yada, yada. And then in like two months, you know, midseason, regular season, real football, people are going to be like, oh, guys, you remember when the, the Catch-22 guys said Demario Douglas was going to be the next, you know, all-pro receiver and then he didn't even make the team? Like, all right, like I, I, I'm just trying to say let's just take it one step at a time. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And all those conversations about, like, oh, who's he going to push off the roster? And is he going to start? And is Boren expendable? Is Taekwon expendable? Like, we're, we're, that's way too premature. Wait, I talked to and, him and, in two and weeks. I'm not saying that either. It's literally just, he. it's been a long time since a rookie Patriots receiver got this it's far. Fun. And that's exciting. It is exciting. And it's the type of receiver that I love. Guy that creates separation. And not just that, that's it's it. the type of receiver that Bill O'Brien loves. Like, yeah. you talk about. Yeah, I said the thing before. Part of the reason it's exciting, not just that he's playing well, but there's a clear path to playing time. I should yeah. add a third thing to that: scheme fit. Yeah, perfect scheme fit. So, so I'm not. We, I don't want to get bogged down too much on this. We, we've done a lot of receiver talk the last two weeks. So, well, I mean, it's we can, it's camp. That, yeah, that, that, that's, that's we can we, we can do. go back to calls when you want. I I gotta say though, this I I was yelling about it earlier, jokingly. I'm dead serious about this. It is beyond frustrating that this team cannot recognize the type of skill set that fits their offense and just draft that freaking skill set. What was it two years ago, three years ago? Who was the guy I wanted that you're like, yeah, that'd be great. Oh, Wondell Robinson. Remember how I was on Wondell Robinson? You're just like, they're not going to take him. Okay, so like Wondell Robinson's a good example. Obviously, we're going to see him tomorrow night. Maybe John Mechie. Thank God. Good for him. He's back in in health and all that stuff. Absolutely. Uh, A little bit different, but remember Kadarius Tony was one of my, and I know that there's been some other issues with him. Kadarius Tony. And and the Giants drafted him under a Patriot regime. Like they, yeah. So their no. their Patriot guys recognize Tank it. Dell under a Tank, Patriots regime. Tank Dell. Uh, who was the kid from Memphis? Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin. Yeah. No. Who went up against Marcus Jones a lot in uh, in that conference. Yep. And uh, and obviously a, a big one for me was Sky Moore. 
Who, oh, you really like Sky Moore. That's right. Who hasn't really done much in Kansas City yet, but it's the, it's about the traits and it's about what's translatable to this offense. They have drafted Nikhil Harry early, who is a stiff, like stiff, and oh, I mean stiff. Oh, remember like Khalil not, Shakir? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, not oh, Bo Melton. Bo, we loved Bo Melton. Not not like to take shots at Nikhil, but when I say stiff, I mean like literally stiff. Like he was a stiff mover. Yeah. Okay, and then they draft Taekwon, who's a one trick pony. It can only get up the field, and that's it. And then they like they actually take a moldable skill set for them, where all you got to do is have Troy Brown teach him to be Troy Brown. Right. And. Like Jacoby was the same, which thing. we got to get into the jersey number takes at the very. End. I know that Jacoby's not the fastest guy in a straight line, but he was really good at the top of the route, and he's got that craftiness and that shiftiness, and that's why it worked out. So instead of taking Demario Douglas, and look, ultimately it doesn't matter if Demario Douglas is a dude, then he's, yeah. who cares that he went to Liberty and was drafted in the sixth round? Oh, Amari Rogers was another one. Sorry, I'm but, going back through our old draft. But Jalen Darden. Oh my God, there's no. two Jalen Darden. Don't put there's me two, in the Jalen. There's two Darden. things I, I do every day. I brush my teeth and I get open that i was sold on that quote alone all right the point being is is that we what you could do this is a, a bold assessment here what you could do is you recognize that demario douglas has the skill set that you want so let's just take the guy that's demario douglas but like in the sec right and right. let's just take that guy early and let's take that the route runner the technician the guy that gets open instead of the guy that is Nikhil Harry or Taekwon, and let's just go that. Why can't we just do that? And when I say we, I mean the Patriots. Like, why can't the Patriots just do that? I don't understand what's so difficult about that with their evaluations. Uh, let, well, I'll I, tell you I, this, I, that's Evan. It. That's all I got to say. Texas A&M, Aeneas Smith, that's that's the, the top Fine. of this draft guy next year. All right. Uh, let's go to Todd in North Carolina. What's up, Todd? Hey. Hey. What so you my got? question is, after watching a lot of the the game, what do you or the camp? What do you think that the offense and defense are? are they kind of be more modern, or are they still, you know, Bill Belichick's mold of, you know, let's bend but not break. Let's, you know, control the game by controlling the clock and going on from there. Well, Todd, uh, that's a good question, and thanks for the call. I, I get we kind of touched on this a little bit with that pass first, run first question. I think it depends on who you ask in the building. And I don't know if that's a good thing. Like, I, I, I don't know if there's going to be a clear. Now, when I say that, I guess I should walk that back a little bit. I think Bill Bill O'Brien will ultimately bend to Bill Belichick it, because it's Bill Belichick's team. He's the head coach. It's his show, right? And I, I think Bill O'Brien's been pretty steadfast about that, speaking to him. Well, but I kind of interpreted that question as just stylistically. Like, it's going to look more modern than it did last year. There's going to be so. more modern content. That, that – but the point is, is that like, are they going to try to win game 17 to 14? Okay, I get what you're saying. Or are they going to open it up a little bit and be willing to win in a shootout? In that, it's probably, yeah, it'll default to Bill. But I think, like, the units themselves, I mean, the defense is going to be what it's been. That's yeah. not going to change. But the offense, there's more of these modern concepts, uh, uh, RPOs, more motion, things yeah. like that. Like, yeah, you are going to see a lot more of that. I do think that it, I, I said it earlier, it, it, it all comes down to the success, right? Like right. if they're good, if they're good on offense and they're moving the ball and they're throwing the ball well, I don't think he did it because he wanted to. But eventually, Belichick, obviously, once Brady became Brady, like they threw the ball plenty. They were they were a very aggressive passing team with Tom Brady. But of course, they had Tom Brady. If Bill sees it and says, "Oh wow, that you know, 
we're, I trust the offense to throw the ball 45 times, and I think we can win this way now and all that type of stuff, then it's different. When I say 45 times, I don't mean because they're down by three touchdowns. I mean a real 45 times. Yeah. I think it could be different, but until further notice, I still think that they're going to be a team that's going to try to squeeze every every second off the clock. Ball control, possession, uh, don't turn the football over offensively, kick a bunch of field goals on fourth and three. Well, there's nothing like, wrong with prioritizing not turning the ball over. There isn't anything wrong about, but you obviously you need to be more aggressive than they've been. Yes, yes, That's I would agree with that. All right, uh, Devin is in New Hampshire. Is back on the line. What's up, Devin? Hey, Devin. Oh, Devin, something with the phone. All right, uh, we're we're coming to the end here anyway. So, Alex, uh, I'm going to clear the floor for you to give your special teams minute, and maybe I'll interject. Maybe I won't. What was okay. your take today on the special teams? I mean, the rookies are running away with both competitions. Uh, you know, Chad, they, Chad Ryland and Nick Folk, they've both kind of had like three for four, four for five, those kind of days. But when Nick Folk kicks a 45-yard field goal, you're kind of holding on to the edge of your seat. When yeah. Chad Rowling kicks a 45-yard field goal, it's halfway up the uprights. Yeah. And, look, Nick Folk's been a really good Patriot. He has yeah. been. And Saved him at that spot. He absolutely did. But he's been – he had a down year the second half of last year. He's 38 years old. And we know they have the thing like get out a year too early versus a year yeah. too late on a player – that's especially true at kicker. I don't think people realize how rare it is that they found Nick Folk the way they did. People conveniently forget that Mike Nugent came in here and was kind of a mess. The Nuge. Before they went to Nick Folk. I think that nickname was part of why he was so bad. But <laughs> I just, I are you willing to take the risk that the last half of last season was an aberration for Folk? And, I mean, he used a fourth-round pick on the guy. I know some people have said maybe they keep two kickers. I think they'd like to in theory. But if you've seen what's going on in Dallas, it's... Nick Folk would like I, if I'm the Cowboys trade value. Yeah, does Nick Folk maybe. have some trade value? I, I think he would. I don't know that you're getting anything significant, but could you get a sixth round pick for Nick Folk? I don't uh, think that's unrealistic. And so the question is, and I I I I steer towards the side of rather keeping him on the practice squad than trade him for a sixth round pick. Yeah, but if you don't think that he's gonna, you have a conversation so, with him, Nick. We're gonna go with Ryland, yeah. but. We'd love to keep you on the practice squad. Just he's a rookie. We don't know if it's gonna, how it's gonna look in the regular season yet. Yada yada yada. Are are you gonna just come back to the practice squad, or are you gonna try to shop your your services elsewhere when you look at your options? And he says, "I'm gonna look at my options." Then you trade. It's pretty simple. Sure. Well, and and that's fair. I just think if you do expose him to the practice squad, I don't think so. Nick Folk, his family still lives in Dallas, and he. Yeah. It's not like every day, but he goes back and forth between here and Dallas during the season. And if you can tell him he can go live at home for the whole season, make more money, kick indoors, like why is he not going to take that? Yeah. So, and Dallas desperately needs a kicker. Maybe, and, and you know, I don't know what the kicking situation is in Houston or New Orleans, but these other places that are nearby, that it's a much more, like I don't think you have to worry about losing him to, say, Seattle. Right. Right. That's an even worse commute. L.A. maybe because he's from there. Like, he yeah. grew up there, and maybe he'd want to go back. But like, you don't have to worry about losing him to like, Miami. But there are teams that I think he would go to that need a kicker. That being said, you'd, it would be a real miss if they burn a fourth-round pick If it, with how good Ryland looks. I, I think that would be a real disappointment if they burn a fourth-round pick and, and keep Nick Folk, especially if it's proven that the end of last year wasn't an aberration. Yeah. And and he's he's kind of lost a step. My My – untrained eye on kickers the one thing that i have noticed is what you pointed out about folks leg 
and in Rylands, it's it's night and day who has the bigger leg. Yeah, and it, with Folk, you're right. I mean, anything over 45, you're holding your breath. Like, it, and the ball just dies off his foot out around the goal line. Right, you just see the the trajectory of the kick just kind of uh, waning down. I, I would also say with with Ryland, he does have decent enough control on the ball. I make I make the jokes all the time about Justin Rohrwasser. Like Justin Rohrwasser in training camp could not he if the goalposts were double the size, yeah. he still would have been missing. Right? So it was that bad. Chad Ryland's misses are NFL misses, right? Like yeah, you're seeing him miss by like a, a couple fractions of a of a foot, right? Yeah. Like you're not seeing him miss by a hundred feet, like with Justin Roros, and I'm exaggerating. Right. But you know, that that's no Roros was difference. missing like the kicking net. Yeah. He wasn't just missing the goalpost. So yeah, I, I again I think it's Ryland there and then a punter. Beringer's been outstanding, and I think the big thing, and this is what they love, and Pop Douglas talked about it yesterday, like it it's hard to read the ball off his foot and he's had so many putts muffed there we go that's that's what i was looking for it's hard what? to read the ball off his foot this is real punter talk, have you people. not seen how many punts he's had muffed so I, far in this I, camp i i've seen i've seen a few and people will say oh it's the Sometimes patriots i work. tune out during special teams period. you shouldn't you yeah. cover the team it's your job <laughs> you so, cover it for me some it? some that's and i have used your lineman numbers yeah, at yeah, times because yeah. i can't watch all the one-on-ones at once but yeah. um you can't it's not people say, oh, so the Patriots punt returners just suck. No, because they're not muffing Waitman's punts. Yeah, it's, and it's Marcus Jones doesn't suck. Yeah, Marcus Jones is not a bad punt yeah. returner. We know yeah. that. So now Waitman, I think, easy got to keep on the practice squad. And Pop Douglas kind of talked about this yesterday. There's value in having a lefty punter, so because it's different fielding punter, fielding punts from a lefty punter versus a righty yeah. punter. He talked about that last year when they brought Michael Pilardi in. Yeah. So you keep Waitman on the practice squad. You have him around as your lefty option. You have him around as an emergency option for Beringer. That one's a lot easier. I don't know that there's going to be a rush to sign Corliss Waveman. Maybe into the season you lose him if somebody gets hurt, but right. you should be able to get him on the practice squad. So the question that I have is then with Waitman, I wonder if we don't see Waitman in the preseason games because might as well give Beringer the reps anyway. I don't think we're going to see either of the veterans a lot. Okay. It wouldn't make sense to play either of them. You know right. essentially what Nick Folk is at this point, and right. if you want to get into the practice squad, you don't want Dallas seeing him knocking through right. three for three, four for four. I would guess it's going to heavily be the rookies um, in in all three preseason games. So the one thing that I really like about it with the rookies, yeah, and this is one thing you're going to you're gonna be surprised that I care about okay. this. I like that they're attached at the hip. Those two go everywhere together. It's it's real. It's and and we got to get Joe Cardona in that with him, but eh, yeah, leave Joe. But that that he'll get there. He can't play favorites right now. That battery, right? Yeah. That's gonna be the holder. You know, yeah. Beringer is gonna be Ryland's holder, and which he was at the, going back to the Senior Bowl. When you remember every year, I mean, you you obviously remember as well that. Those three guys, Cardona, the punter, and the kicker, are like the three amigos all season long. Yeah. They're inseparable. And I don't want to give away anything too much, but there might have been a little bit of a of a of a of some friction okay. with the with the three amigos at times last year. And I think it it showed. It did show for Jake Bailey in particular. Yeah. And I, I think the big thing with those three guys is, you know, they go in the stadium and they kick in the stadium sometimes and the rest of the team is out on the practice fields. And we do our attendance and we're like, well, the kickers aren't here, but they're probably here. They're just, you know, in the stadium yeah. or, or whatever. Uh, that's a really important dynamic. And I think there's something to be said for Ryland and Beringer going through this together, like two rookie guys 
that are first time in the NFL rookie players, young guys that are going to have to learn to be pros and learn to how to go through it. And along those lines, as much as I think that Nick Folk might have opportunities elsewhere, is he like the Brian Hoyer to to those like someone's there? Gotta, there, there might be a little bit of that. Someone's and by the way, be, somebody put in the chat when I said you don't want Dallas to see him hitting him. Yeah. If you want him on the practice squad, or if you want to trade him, you do want Dallas. Oh, okay, to see him. there you go. So fair, but you do. I, I do wonder how they. Maybe it's just you know they're able to Cardona, Matthew Slater, like those guys are obviously veterans, special teamers as well that are going to be around a lot. But you do wonder if you want somebody that's there to kind of that's been through it that's done well, it. I, I think you hope that that's Cardona yeah. at this point and, yeah. and Matthew Slater too to an extent yeah. and and you could even maybe say Corliss Waitman if he's on the practice squad but the special teams thing still worries me but I, I mean we'll see what the coverage whole. looks like I'll tell you this, I think Jordan Helig is going to be the UDFA yeah like the guy that makes the team he's looked good in coverage um so and you know they, they've overhauled that unit and we've seen Amir Speed and Isaiah Bolden rep there too so like they, they have Chris Board they have options there. It's, yeah, it's going to be different. I don't. I don't think the personnel is going to be the problem. I, I'm still worried about the coaching. The co- and that's fair. That's, I, that's fair. I just because well, a I think it's just a weird dynamic. Like Joe Judge is the assistant head coach of the team. Yeah, but he's clearly the special teams coordinator at most of these practices. Like right. he's the one that's barking out the orders and leading the way on special teams. I don't know what's up with Cam McCord. Like Cam McCord, honestly. Say what you will about being worried about the coaching overall. And honestly, when you say the coaching, where I agree with you on that is like the the game planning of it, the scheming yeah. it up. I've I've said this about Cam Accord before. Like, yeah, he was in over his head as a coordinator, coordinating the special teams, coming up with game plans, Making creating calls assignments. on the sidelines. Right. Yeah. I still believe Cam Accord's an amazing teacher. Yeah. And and coaching is like there's a massive element of that that's just And this is why let me teach if you, you skill be sets. Gl- glass half full. Yeah. This is why this dynamic should work out. So that's what I'm saying. Like, the yeah. one thing I am encouraged by is I think Cam McCord is just back to teaching, yeah. which is excellent. Yeah. How's Joe Judge going to be his special teams coordinator? We'll see. He's been, he was good, but it's been a while. Yeah. Um, but it is a, it is if, an objectively if, weird setup. I, I think that that's – it's similar to the setup that they have on defense, honestly, where – the the teacher the presenter the guy that can relate the best to the players is obviously Gerard Mayo but the play caller is Steve and on special teams if that's how you want to sell me that Cam Accord is going to be the guy that's in the trenches with these guys that's teaching the techniques that's doing all that stuff and then Joe Judge is coming over the top with game plans and and sidelines yeah. you know handling the sideline and and play calling and all those types of things then I I suppose that I, I can be sold I think that's like that's what it should be. Yeah. I guess we'll see. We'll get a good idea Thursday night what it looks like, but that's what it should be. All right. Uh, I, you have three minutes on the rookie numbers. Well, so what this guy got? keeps commenting on YouTube saying he'll leave a zero-star review if we don't talk about it. So now you have to leave a five-star review. Rookie numbers, and that guy better leave us a five-star review. Better leave a five-star review. review. Um, so 99's open. That's a big one. Okay. Bryce Beringer wore 99 in college. Would Punters can wear 99 now. So kickers and punters can wear 1 to 49 and 90 to 99. Yeah. So Beringer in 90 would be cool. Does Chad Ryland get 94? I think he wore 49 at, at Maryland, and that's obviously taken. So that's an interesting one. Okay. Um, So he's I, not going to be like a kicker number, you don't think? Well, that is a kicker number now. Okay. Most of the, like, I, I don't think they have anything open, 1 through 19, except obviously 12. 19's open. Yeah, 19's that's it. open. 19's open, that's it. So maybe one of them gets 19, but I feel like that could go. Uh, so uh, they changed it now. So it's like 1 to 49 for receivers, running backs, corners, safeties, blah, blah, blah. And the receivers are also in tight ends, 80 to 89. So, like, 
I think you're going to see, if not a receiver, maybe somebody in the secondary. I see Mapu in the teens. Weird. Okay. I'd like to see him stick with 52 because that would be a good number for him, but I see him in the teens. Um, I really want Demario Douglas to get 80. I really do. I want Troy. You talked about, you were in your whole spiel, they're like Troy Brown basically teaching Demario Douglas how to be Troy Brown. Yeah. What better way to pass the baton than say, here's my number. And if he's out there running the option routes in the slot and he's out there returning kicks, it's just going to look right, <laughs> isn't it? Am, I mean, am I wrong? You're it would just wrong. look right. And then I know 17's taken, but you have to say it when you have this conversation. Keep Demario Douglas and Kayshawn Booty the hell away from number 17. I Booty wore seven in college, so he could actually take that. Like Scotty Washington has it now, but yeah. maybe things change. Um, I don't know what Booty's going to because 87 Sokol is 87, so he's not going to wear that. Um, I think he might have worn one at one point, but that's obviously taken by another yeah. wide receiver. I would caution people this. You're going to run out tomorrow and get the jersey Don't when you see the rookie number. Sometimes guys change again before the start of the season because pretty much every number's taken, yeah. and after cutdown, numbers will open up. Like uh, Christian Barmore was 70 right. his rookie preseason. That was gross, and we were all very <laughs> happy Adam when he Butler's, switched to 90. It's an Adam Butler 70. Nah, it worked a little. It, it, for Barmore, needed to be in the 90s. Uh, okay. Uh, Jack Jones went from 34 to 13. Some people yeah. would say that's a downgrade. I think he makes oh, 13 upgrade. work. Upgrade. Well, we, it was Big a little weird upgrade. at the time. 34 is a running back number. It was a it's shout out to Bucky Jones. Shane it was, 34. It was a little weird seeing 13 as a corner right away, was it not? Uh, yeah, I, I like it. I, I think he rocks it. But I do now. But yeah. initially it was weird. Anyway, don't get nervous if guys – because there's, there's so few numbers available. Yeah. Guys are going to get weird numbers. It's going to happen. Yeah. So don't worry about the, the aesthetic right away. Booty in 83 would work because uh, there's a little little Deion Branch in this game, a little yeah. bit. I just want Demario Douglas. If, if I could get one number, even more than Christian Gonzalez in zero, because he's not getting 24. If I get one yeah. number, it's Gonzalez in 24. Yeah. But Joshua Bledsoe's here. If I get one pick, it's Demario Douglas in number 80. All right. Well, there's your rookie number minute. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plead the fifth on the rookie numbers uh, for now, but I, I, will, I will echo what Alex said about don't go run out and buy the jersey based off the preseason number. Some of these guys, I think, are going to change numbers once the regular season rolls around. So don't lose your minds over the numbers. Uh, they should come out. They usually come out like around hours, noon. Yeah, before kickoff. Noon, one o'clock yeah. on the day of the game. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's already all ready to go and pre-planned upstairs. So Kayshawn Booty wore 15 in high school. So Corliss Waitman's here now, but if he doesn't make the team, Right, I, those I are see some, that. Those are some numbers. I, I th those things will move around, but right. we'll find out uh, that uh, by tomorrow at this time. What if he gets like forty? I think forty three is open. Kayshawn Booty. Yeah. No, I, I could so. see tomorrow. Douglas wearing thirty. I could. It's weird, but because he was three in college, it was weird, but I could see it. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying for anything. preseason. I would hope it changes <laughs> again, but I could see him wearing thirty. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us. I really appreciate all the calls and the emails. We had a, a very uh, call heavy show today, which we really appreciate. And Alex and I will be back next week. Yep. I think we're going to do Thursday next week. I'm going to be in Green Bay. Alex is going to be here in studio to host the show so we're going to be a little role reversal but it'll be cool because i'll be out there at the joint practices and can tell you all what's been going down in green bay and then we'll do the same thing in nashville the following week as well because i'm going to be at bowl yay so we'll be out there at joint practices alex will uh, we'll anchor it from here and we'll see you then thanks bye thank you for downloading this podcast subscribe on apple google play and everywhere else you listen 
Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.